This is Mandite and the Apprentice Mage, Book One of the Mandite Chronicles, written and narrated by Stu Venable. Chapter 8 It was a motionless night as the scarab sat nearly motionless in the Tremble Isle harbor. The crew was speaking in whispers, for there was an entire town on the shore, and our presence was to be a secret. The captain had explained that if the townsfolk knew we were there, they might try to alert our quarry, and we would have no way to stop them. I climbed down the rope to the small launch, which had been secured to the scarab with ropes fished through the gun ports. I had hoped that the carpenters would affix cleats to the side of the scarab that I could untie should things turn violent, but that was not to be. I felt the rope ladder jostling and looked up. Jass was beginning her climb down. "'What are you doing?' I demanded. "'I'm going on the launch,' she said simply. I noticed Kadal's dark face peering through one of the cannon ports. He craned his head to look up at Jass. "'You most certainly are not,' I said. "'I want to see you cast the spell,' she said. "'And you might need my help,' she added. "'I most certainly won't need your help,' I replied. "'Besides, it's too dangerous. If things get violent—' "'You'll be right in the line of fire. "'But,' she started. "'Absolutely not,' I said with great magely finality. "'He's right, young miss,' Kidal added. "'Leave your master to his fate. "'You can always find another teacher.' "'Then he let out a great basso laugh. "'Jas scowled at me, then at Kidal. "'Then, to my surprise, she continued climbing down to the launch. "'Kidal reached out with a long muscular arm and grabbed her by the wrist.' He began pulling her through the cannon port. Then Jass reached over and bit his arm. Kidal grimaced in pain. Jass! I shouted. Kidal is an officer on this vessel. He is well within his rights to have you flogged for assaulting him. As I spoke, Kidal twisted his arm, freeing it from her teeth, and began pulling her through the cannon port. Don't worry, mage. She's coming with me, Kidal said through the pain. She shouted and beat on him, as she disappeared through the cannon port. Then his face re-emerged. "'Clap her in irons if you have to,' I shouted. Kadal answered me with a toothy grin. It was difficult to see the prize silently drift into the harbor without the light of the moons, but I could make out its vague shape nonetheless. The scarab's starboard cannons were loaded and ready, the cannon crews peering through the ports with curiosity. As I began calling the force of water— the launch rocked violently, and I looked around to find Jass standing next to me. "'Damn it, Jass!' I whispered through gritted teeth. "'I want to see,' she said. There was no time to argue, as the prize was about to pass us. I shoved her down and said, "'Shut up and stay there!' She sat quietly, with not so much as a frown. Her face showed excitement and curiosity. I looked up at the port behind me and saw Kadal. He was scowling at her, raising his fist. I called the force of water. I silently recited the rhyme rather than just summoning the force, as this working would require great power. I raised both hands over my head, and the water before me rose nearly twenty feet in the air. I heard Jas whisper, Whoa! Then, with a downward gesture, I pushed the mass of water away from me, just ahead of the bow of our quarry. The massive wave rushed toward the prize, leaving a large pit 
in the water before us. The launch began to lurch into the pit as water rushed in to fill the void. The momentum of the water continued and slammed the launch into the side of the scarab. The sound was almost deafening. It was so loud that someone aboard the prize heard it. Though the prize was now turning away from us, propelled by the wave, the aftmost cannon on the prize's larboard side fired. With that brief flash, I could tell the cannonball was coming straight for us. I raised my hands and unleashed the force of air and bolstering. The air before us turned as solid as stone. I looked up as the spark-strewn cannonball flew above me. The last thing I saw was the cannonball stopping a few feet from Kidal's wide-eyed face. My head slammed against the scarab. Everything went black. Chapter 9 I felt bitter cold and an intense searing pain. I have mended the strand, a beautiful female voice said. But will it hold? Another voice, this perhaps a young male, said. It will hold, the woman replied. But the flesh has been harmed, the man said. It will heal, the woman replied. I tried to speak, but I couldn't. I didn't recognize either voice. There was white light, and the feeling of pain and cold grew far worse. I wondered if I was hallucinating or dead. Mandite, someone said. I could hear moaning, and it made the pain, which I now realized was in my head, intolerable. It felt like a thousand white-hot needles piercing the back of my skull, deep into my brain. Mandite, the voice repeated. I realized the moaning was coming from me. I made an effort to stop moaning, and the pain lessened only slightly. The needles in my brain were now only red-hot, I supposed. I opened my eyes and quickly closed them again. The sky was so bright. It burned my eyes and set my whole body on fire with pain. "'You hit your head, Mandite! The surgeon says you have to wake up now, or you may never wake up!' the voice said tearfully. I realized it was Jass. "'What happened?' I said, but I don't think Jas understood me. "'Master Oler! Master Oler! He's speaking!' she shouted with a piercing voice that sent me reeling. I felt more than heard heavy footsteps approach. "'I'm here! I'm here, lass!' an old man's voice said. He had a northern accent from Ikoha Smirt, or somewhere thereabouts. "'Master Mandite! Are you awake?' the old voice said. I fought someone in Yakota's smirt once. I hope it wasn't you, I quipped. What's he saying about sweet rolls? Jas said with confusion and concern. Tis nothing to worry about, Jas. His words are just mixed up. Bound to happen with such a blow to the head, the old man said. Let's get him below where it's darker. Kidal, a hand if you please. The searing pain in my head turned to throbbing as I was jostled and manhandled below deck. They carried me using a sheet of canvas or perhaps a piece of sail. Once settled, I again risked opening my eyes. It wasn't as painful this time around. The first thing I saw was the sun-tanned, wrinkled face of the ship's surgeon, Master Oler. His spectacles were perched low on his nose, and his head was tilted back as he looked at me in the eye. His nose was large and red, probably from too many dips into the rum barrel. 
His bald head was marked with burns and spots from too much sun. "'He's definitely concussed, but that he's awake is a good sign,' Oler said reassuringly. "'You've taken a blow to the head, Master Mandite,' he said very loudly, the way surgeons talk to their patients. "'Quite a serious one, so we can't have you lying down for too long. You need to sit up, if you can.' I tried to sit up, but the table spun and whirled, and I slumped back down. "'Don't just stand there gawking, you two. Help him up,' he said. Small, gentle hands took my left arm while strong hands took my right. They pulled me upright. To my surprise, the larger, stronger hands were more gentle. The old surgeon held up a finger. "'Now follow my fingers best you can,' he said. I did. "'Very good, Master Mandite, very good,' he exclaimed. "'He doesn't seem too badly off. He'll be right as rain in a week or two, I suspect.' It was then that I realized that we were in the middle of a ship battle. I tried to get up, saying, "'The fight!' "'What's he saying?' Jas asked again. "'Never mind that, Jas. It'll pass in a day or so. He'll be ordering you around in no time,' the surgeon answered. In fact, it wasn't until the second day that I realized the words I was intending to speak were different than the words I heard myself speak, and it was yet another day before anyone could understand me. "'I've never treated a mage before, Master Mandite, "'but I suggest you do not attempt any magic until you're well healed,' "'the surgeon, Oler, said when he checked up on me. "'And when will that be?' I asked. "'Can't say for certain, and I don't pretend to know how magic works, "'but I would suggest waiting until you can walk on your own, "'and when the pain is gone,' he answered. "'What happened to the prize?' I asked. "'We took her.' said Kedal's basso voice from behind me. I breathed a sigh of relief. Had you not taken care of that stray shot, I dare say it would have caused chaos with the cannon crew. They might have come about and done us in, he said. Casualties? I asked. None, he said. On our side, at least, he added with a smile in his voice. How did they see us? How did they know to fire? I asked. They had a mage of their own, it seems. He was killed with the first barrage, Kidal said. The captain and quartermaster want to have a word with you when you feel up to it. He stalked away and climbed the stairs to the deck. Kidal is still a ray of sunshine, I quipped. He's tired. He's been sitting here with you and Jas when not on duty. He hasn't slept since we took the prize, the surgeon said. He won't say what happened, but he seems to think he owes you a debt. I frowned. I didn't remember what had happened and wouldn't for another day or two. Where's Jas? I asked. She's in your quarters, asleep. I told her if she didn't get some rest, I would have her locked in the brig, Ola said. I smiled, but didn't risk even a chuckle, for fear it might worsen my headache. The next morning, Jas helped me up to the deck to seek out the captain and the quartermaster. They were both in the captain's quarters, just below the bridge. The room was filled with books and treasures and trinkets, no doubt some of the spoils from the prize. There was a desk in the room that was grand enough for a member of the Duke's Privy Council. It was constructed of a dark brown wood, except for the front panels, which were of a lighter wood and carved with various coats of arms and sigils, I recognized from my days in Eldamy, though I couldn't place them. 
It, like every other horizontal surface in the quarters, was stacked with goods from the prize. The desk was also large enough to use as a bed, possibly for two. Captain Taller sat behind the desk, and Quartermaster Jacob sat in an ornate chair in front of it. They seemed to be taking inventory of their treasures, as the captain was examining a vase or pitcher, and Jacob was furiously scribbling in a ledger. I cleared my throat as we entered. "'Ah, Master Mandite, it's good to see you up and among the livin'. Jacob the quartermaster said. He didn't get up, but he offered me a very broad and genuine smile as a welcome. Captain Taller got up from behind the comically enormous desk and approached me with a somber expression on his face. As he approached, he extended his left hand. I took it, and we shook. "'I wanted to personally thank you, Mandite. Were it not for your actions, the day certainly would not have been ours. I dare say we would all be prisoners, or dead,' he said seriously. "'Of course, I'm just glad I could help,' I replied, a bit flummoxed. "'I do not know if you've been made aware, but our prize, a galleon called the Duchess Adina, had a mage of their own. He must have caught sight of us as their vessel began to turn. The crew and I owe you a great debt of gratitude,' he said with a brief smile. His smile was short and insincere, but the grave look in his eyes told me he was speaking the truth. Then he turned to Jacob and said, "'Well, I'll leave you to it,' and he walked out onto the deck." Jacob was still sitting in front of the desk, still writing furiously. "'There's the matter of your prize, Master Mendite. Captain Towler suggested, and I agreed, that you should have your pick of the prize without limit,' Jacob said, as he finished up whatever he was writing. "'It's a hell of a mental feat to write one thing while you're speaking another. Most people can't do it, and when they can, they usually write and speak slowly, sort of taking turns with each task.' The quartermaster did both seemingly at full speed. I realized Jacob de Gen had a sharp mind, far more than he let on earlier. Since you were incapacitated, and we couldn't offer you the Duchess Adina as she had to be scuttled, I left it to your apprentice, Jas, to decide what that would be, he said. I winced, but tried to conceal it. That is kind of you. And what did she select? I asked, almost not wanting to know the answer. He looked at me apologetically and said, "'Well, I wasn't sure if this was the sort of thing you'd have picked, but your apprentice said it had certain properties. We suggested several other items, but she was rather insistent.' He walked to the corner of the room where a large item, more than six feet tall, was covered by a section of sailcloth. He removed the sailcloth, revealing a large oval mirror with an ornate filigree frame and stand. To the right of the mirror, about midway up its height, was a small brass cup affixed to the frame. I looked at the mirror. The surface was bright, polished, and flawless. Such mirrors were extremely rare. Most mirrors had waves and other imperfections that at least slightly distorted the reflected image. But not this mirror. I looked at my reflection, and it was literally perfect. I turned my eye to the mirror's frame and stand. The mirror and frame were oval in shape, and the frame appeared to be made of hammered brass, polished to a finish almost as reflective as the mirror. "'There's also this,' he said, walking to a table where sat a small wooden chest. He opened it, revealing eight small glass orbs. 
I stepped away from the mirror and examined the contents of the chest. Each of the eight orbs contained what appeared to be shifting and swirling smoke of differing colors, as if I could see the enchantments without having to summon a force, which I didn't want to risk in my current state. I could sense the spells upon them, Master Mandite, Jas said with hopeful pride. Indeed you did, Jas, indeed you did, I muttered as I approached the mirror once again. The brass was covered with intricate etchings, some pictographs, some of an ancient language with which I was somewhat familiar. You have done well, I whispered. I caught a glimpse of Jacob in the mirror, and he was frowning. No doubt he assumed the girl would pick something fanciful and useless, but by my reaction he realized she might have picked the most valuable item on the Duchess Adina. This mirror dates back to the days of the old empire, I said. This is the old Eldemic script. It must be ten thousand years old or more. Do you know what it does? Jas asked excitedly. I have no idea, I said with distracted wonder. I picked that chest with the globes as well, she added. There are spells on them as well. I examined the orbs again. The colored smoke within each reminded me of an artistic representation of the intricate lines of enchantments when I used the force of magic to look upon them. I dare say that mirror and these orbs make a set, I said. Jas sat down in a chair with a satisfied smile. She glanced over at Jacob with a triumphantly raised eyebrow, but Jacob avoided eye contact with her. "'Tell me, quartermaster,' I began. "'Can I ask you one more favor, since I am owed such a debt?' I asked. "'Ask it,' Jacob said. There was no reluctance in his voice. Captain Teller's words of an owed debt must have rung with a note of truth, even to the quartermaster. "'Will we pass by Lover's Isle on our way to Eldamy? "'I should like to store this in my cottage there,' I asked. "'That's not out of our way, assuming the stop won't take too long,' Jacob answered. "'It should only take a couple hours, and I would be most appreciative,' I replied. "'And I would consider it a debt paid,' I added. "'Very well, Master Mendite. I will set course for Lover's Isle,' he said, leaving the cabin for the bridge. That evening Jass and I sat atop the forecastle, enjoying the darkening view of the open sea as the sun gradually set in the west. We had just finished our dinner, which consisted of roasted salt pork, braised carrots with honey, and a generous portion of a very delicate grain with which I was unfamiliar. All of it had been captured from the Duchess Adina, clearly, the Duchess Adina had stores fine enough for the highest nobility, and the scarab's cook was more than up to the challenge of turning these stores into an incredible meal. I sat back, my belly full and my headache fading, and looked towards the stern. Many of the crew sat on the deck eating, and to my surprise I saw Captain Towler with them, sitting on a small barrel, exchanging no-doubt body stories with the crew, judging by their guffaws and similar reactions." "'Is that mirror really ten thousand years old?' Jas asked. "'At least,' I said. "'It could be far older. "'The old empire extended back to the beginning of recorded history. "'It could be as much as twenty thousand years old, I would guess.' "'What happened to it? "'The old empire, I mean?' Jas asked. "'That's a complicated question, "'and I suspect you'd get a different answer from every historian you asked,' I said. 
The dates we use today count the years from the death of the last emperor. Some say he left no clear heir. Others say the heir was challenged because he was too young or incompetent. Whatever the reason, the old empire just sort of dissolved. You realize the Duke of Eldamy should by all rights be called a king, yes? I said. Jas just shrugged, her long red hair shifting with the gesture. The title of Duke of Eldamy dates back before the fall of the old empire, in fact. Back then, the duke was but a vassal to the emperor, though no doubt a powerful one. Duke Elkus the 434th, or whatever the number is, and his predecessors before him kept the title out of tradition, most likely. It is said that the old empire extended to the tundras to the north to the south for ten thousand leagues beyond Highfall, and to the west past the Wall Mountains and the Sea of Sand. No doubt there were countless duchies, earldoms, and counties that made up the empire, and the land we know as Eldamy was but one small part of a very grand whole, I said. Where was the capital? Jas asked. No one knows, I said. Historical records of the old empire are quite literally falling apart with age. And even when we find whole pages, the language has changed so much that we can hardly read it. I once tried to teach myself old Eldemic, not very successfully, but my efforts allowed me to at least recognize the writing on the mirror frame. You don't have any idea what it does? she asked. None whatsoever, I said. Once our current task is completed, we can set to figuring that out. Until then, I'll store it in my cottage on Lover's Isle. "'Will it be safe there?' she asked. "'Safe enough. Lover's Isle is all but inhabited, and my cottage is very well concealed. "'I should like to store it in my rooms on Ekota Isle, but that's hardly workable now. "'And we dare not travel with it in Eldamy. "'I wouldn't want to risk damaging it or having it stolen,' I said. "'Why do you think it was on that ship?' Jas asked. "'I don't know, though I suspect it was the property of the mage on the Duchess Adina.' "'Did you happen to hear the mage's name?' I asked. "'I heard one of the Duchess Adina's crew call him Basma,' she said. "'I dropped my fork onto my nearly empty plate, and it fell to the deck. "'Basma? Are you quite sure?' I asked. "'The name was familiar to me, and I was hoping she was wrong. "'Yeah, I think so. Kadal was there. He heard it, too. "'He can confirm if I heard it right,' she said. "'She gestured with her head.' to the aft of the scarab, and I turned to see Kadal approaching. Kadal walked through a maze of dining crewmen, and he only paused in his travels to give Captain Taller a reverent salute as he passed. He carried two cups. As he approached the forecastle, he handed me one and hopped up to sit on a barrel. The cup was filled with a brown ale. I took a sip. It was cool and refreshing. It was only slightly bitter, with a rich, malty body. "'Thank you!' "'Master Cadal,' I said, raising my cup. "'He raised his in return and drank. "'I noted that he looked me in the eye as we toasted, "'but not with hatred or disdain. "'His expression was neutral and serious. "'Then he let out a great yawn. "'Just call me Kidal. "'We have been in battle together, "'and you have conducted yourself well, mage. "'No need for formalities,' he said with a slight and tired smile. "'I felt my eyebrows raise in surprise.' Kadal smiled wanly again. "'I heard you take my name in vain,' he said to Jas with a teasing tone. 
I was only saying that you heard the name of the mage on the Duchess Adina, Jas explained. Yes, it was Basma. The crew made quite a noise about his death. The captain was practically in tears. Kedal spat with a laugh. As well they should, I muttered. Why is that? Kedal asked. Basma is, or should I say was, one of the cardinal mages, I said. They both looked at me with confusion, so I continued. The Duke of Eldamy has four mages who act as his viziers, along with his non-mage viziers. The viziers are his council and advisors. Each cardinal mage is named for a cardinal direction on the compass. It's been some time since I received any political news from Eldamy, but Basma was the cardinal mage of the south, I said. The Duke has four mages at his disposal? Kadal asked, sounding impressed. Yes, quite so. Each cardinal mage is responsible for certain aspects of the ruling of Eldamy. The cardinal mage of the south represents fire. He is, or was, primarily a war mage, I said, turning to Kadal. We're quite fortunate that he was killed in the first barrage, I said. Had he survived it, we wouldn't be here now, though we might be having a nice conversation in the afterlife. Kadal bowed his head in relief, saying, "'That's why I hate mages. "'You never know if you're dealing with a dangerous one or one like you.' "'Jas gasped. "'I looked at Kadal, and his face was expressionless, "'except for his eyes, which were trying not to betray the jest he'd just said. "'Clearly he was ribbing me, "'which was an improvement from the hateful disdain I'd experienced before. "'I winked at him, and the smile in his eyes slowly spread across his dark face. "'He let out a hearty laugh.' "'Who are the others?' Jas asked. "'Huh?' I replied, not having heard the question. "'Who are the other cardinal mages?' Jas pressed. "'Well, there's Gazar, cardinal mage of the north. "'He is responsible for both agriculture and defense. "'He's a very capable nature mage and a savant when it comes to concealment magic. "'Then there's Samana, the cardinal mage of the east.' She is responsible for intelligence, spying, and scrying. I actually went to school with her, quite bright. And you are already familiar with the Cardinal Mage of the West, Jess, I said. I am? she asked. Yes, Xavier, Xavier Birdstaff, I said. He is responsible for internal security and the personal security of the Duke. He's the author of that book on forces? she said, though it wasn't really a question. I'd assumed he was dead. "'Unfortunately not,' I replied. "'He will be a major concern once we're in Eldamy, "'though I must say Samana now concerns me as well. "'Once it is known that Basma is dead or missing, "'she'll attempt to find him, and that mirror may lead her to us.' "'Kadal went wide-eyed. "'We should pitch it over the side,' he said. "'You will do no such thing,' I said, laughing. "'They won't know he's missing for days or a week at least.' But it does underline the urgency of getting the mirror to Lover's Isle. I have sufficient defenses there to shield it, and I can reinforce them before we depart. We should hasten our journey there, Kadal said, standing up. I'll inform the quartermaster. He walked away. He stormed past Captain Taller and the rest of the crew and made his way to the bridge. I saw him whispering with Jacob de Gen. A few minutes later, I heard Kadal bark orders to the crew. About half of the crew sitting with the captain jumped into action. They climbed the rigging and began adjusting the sails. 
Soon the scarab lurched to the side as our speed increased. Why would the cardinal mages work against us? Wouldn't they want to stop this Marwaleth, this necromancer? Jas asked. Oh, they most assuredly would, however, as I do not hold patents of magic. They would have me jailed on sight, or worse, I explained. That seems silly, Jas mused. If you're trying to stop a necromancer, I should think they would want to lend you any assistance they could, patents or not. In a perfect world, they would. But as I am not allowed to practice magic within the borders of Eldamy, they'll assume I'm up to no good. And because I am without patents, it's unlikely they'd believe me if I were to explain why I violated my banishment, I said. It's still silly, Jas said. Well, yes and no, I said. There are far more examples of un- or dispatented mages who shouldn't be allowed to live, let alone practice magic. Some of them are very bad, very dangerous. The cardinal mages' reasons are sound. And they do not make exceptions, unfortunately, I said. There's also the fact that we played some small part in the death of Basma, cardinal mage of the south. That would be considered a capital crime, punishable by hanging, I said. I was now regretting this whole affair. Basma was a legend when I was studying at the Collegium. I remembered that several students wished to become Basma's apprentice. He was often called the most powerful battle mage in memory. It was said that his power with the force of fire was so great that he could bring down massive storms of fire upon a battlefield, as if a volcano had erupted. I'd heard rumors that his ability with the force of earth was so great that he could bend and manipulate gravity itself. He would have been a powerful asset against Marwaleth, should the duke and his cardinal mages get involved. But I was also glad Basma didn't get a chance to bring his considerable power against the scarab. If he had had that opportunity, we'd all be prisoners or more likely dead. Kidal returned to the top of the forecastle to join us again. He brought with him two more filled cups— I looked down at my cup and realized I'd only taken one sip. I quickly finished it as he approached. It truly was a fine brown ale. Kadal again handed me an ale-filled cup, and I raised it to him again. He mimicked the gesture. I informed the quartermaster that I will escort you when we get to Lover's Isle. You might need protection. There may be more settlers there than when you were last there, I suspect, Kadal announced. I don't think that's necessary, I said. While the defenses of my cottage were good, I wish to keep its location secret. I insist, he said with finality. Look, Kadal, you don't owe me a debt for your life, I started. I know I don't. That was repaid in full, he said. What? I asked. Kadal jumped into the harbor and pulled you out after you fell in, Jas explained. I turned to Kadal. You did? He shrugged. It was only then, days after the incident with the Duchess Adina, that I realized my staff was missing. It must have fallen in the water or been shattered by the impact of the cannonball. I thought to ask after it, but decided against it. I could make another when I had time. Also, when you get to Eldemy, I should like to escort you, he said. What? What about the scarab? I said. I am done with piracy, he said bitterly. It's too dangerous. A pirate's life is a short one. 
and I wish to live long enough to spend my share of the prize. I can't pay you, I said. The truth was I didn't want an armed escort. A well-dressed man with an armed escort screams target to bandits. The only more enticing target than a well-dressed man was a well-dressed man with an armed escort, as he truly must have something worth protecting. I don't expect it. My share of the Duchess Adina prize is significant. I've been aboard the Scarab for five years. I've served under three captains and two quartermasters, and I've served on three ships before her. My luck has to be running out, he mused. Where we're going won't be without danger, and there might be a lot of it, I warned. He waved a hand dismissively. I've been in more than a score ship battles. What you face can't be more dangerous than the muzzles of a dozen cannon, he boasted. You may be surprised, I said. If you would like to find out more about my writing, go to stewvenable.com.